good to be here again this morning and enjoyed the services last night and I certainly enjoyed the fellowship that I've been able to have with the brethren since we've been here. I'm like Brother Leroy concerning Brother Joseph. I have known him for some time, but I've not really had a lot of one-on-one conversation with him, and I enjoyed when we rode up together getting to visit with him, and I appreciate Brother Joseph very much. And uh, the more I the more I know him, the more I appreciate him. I appreciate him. Thank you, Brother Joseph, for coming up and coming by my house and letting me ride up with you. I'll speak to you for a few moments this morning out of the book of John, chapter 5. I was really kind of divided between three different scriptures that I had thought about, and I wasn't sure which one that I would speak on this morning, and it seems that the song service led me to this particular scripture in the fifth chapter of John. I like, you know, there's different kinds of preaching sometimes that we might just take one verse and preach on one verse, and and then sometimes we might take a topic, just a certain topic, and preach on a topic, and all those are good. But this morning, I'm just going to kind of take a, a story here, passage of scripture that talks about some, uh, kind of gives us a, a story, uh, but just see some of the precious truths that are contained here in this this passage of scripture, and I like a lot of times just to read scripture that way, uh, and just see how the Lord opens up things to us. There's a lot of a lot of truths that are found, and just we, when we read through something like this, now it starts off with chapter 5 it says that after this after Jesus had healed a man he, he, he had, uh, a man whose uh, son was sick and he had went to Jesus and asked Jesus to come to his home and heal his son and Jesus told him he said basically he said I don't have to go there I'm paraphrasing but he said I don't really have to go there you just go back home. Your son's going to be all right. And so the man went back home and found that his son was healed. And he asked the servants and his family when he began to get better. And they told him the time, and that was the very same time that Jesus had told him that his son was going to be okay. And so after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. There were three feasts every year that the men of Jerusalem were required, or the men of Israel were required to go up and to worship the Lord, wherever the Lord had appointed the place to worship. And it came to be that for many years it had been in Jerusalem. And so at this feast it was required that all the men go up to Jerusalem. And this tells us something else about Jesus. Jesus was a Jew. And he was obedient to all of the laws that had been given to the Jewish people. Now, that's not just important from the fact that he was an obedient Jew. But you see, that was important for you and me. Because we do not have any righteousness of our own. The only righteousness that we can have is the righteousness that is given to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in order for Jesus Christ to 
be righteous and, and to, or to be able to impute his righteousness to us, he had to be righteous. So he had to be obedient. And he was always obedient. The only man that's ever walked on this earth that obeyed every law and every rule that God ever gave. Not only did was he in, a, in an active way was he obedient, but even in a passive way he was obedient. And not only did he, was he obedient in in outwardly, but he never even had a sinful thought. I can't I can't even think about that, you know, not having a sinful thought. I, I would imagine I probably would 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 not be speaking out of turn if I said every one of you that's here this morning have had some unholy thought even while we've been here in this assembly. But Jesus never had. And that righteousness that he did in fulfilling all that he fulfilled, he did, <clears throat> that that righteousness might be imputed to his people. We have a right, we're righteous because he's righteous. Well, <clears throat> it said now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool. Now, the scholars tell me that that word, of course, the word market there is supplied by the translators. And they tell us it probably should be gate instead of market. And it probably that this was the, the gate where people, when they brought their animal sacrifices, that they probably came through this gate. Most likely. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm just taking that by the authority or by the, uh, summation of what some people that know a lot more than I do. Uh, but it makes sense to me that this is what this would be. And there was a pool there that's called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. Now, you know the word Bethesda means a house of mercy. Uh, you may have uh, <clears throat> heard heard of a hospital named Bethesda. That's a good name for a hospital. It would be a house of mercy. And <clears throat> this pool, I used to think, when I was reading this, that this would be just a small pool, kind of like a wading pool, you know. Uh, but it was no small pool. Uh, it was big closer, more closely probably defined as being a small lake almost than a pool. They tell us that this pool, and just to give you a, a rough idea, it was probably about the size of a football field. And in the middle, they said in the middle of this pool, it was about 30 foot deep. And around this pool, there were porches built. It was little enclosures. And that people, it would be a place where people could get in out of the weather. If it was, uh, you know, if it was hot, they could get in the shade. If it was raining, they could get in to be protected from the elements. And so there was a pool there and had, uh, had these five porches around it. And said, in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And the reason they were waiting for the moving of water, for there was an angel that went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. If you have a Bible other than the King James Bible, you may find that the last part of the third verse and all of the fourth verse 
is left out. Or if you have a King James Bible, you may find in the margin saying that this, these, this part of the scripture will tell you that it's not in the best manuscripts. And therefore, people think that it shouldn't even be in the Bible. Well, first of all, uh, uh, when the man says in the seventh verse, the impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. That would make absolutely no sense if you left out the last part of the third verse and all of the fourth verse. But not being in the best manuscripts. I'm, I'm, I know I'm talking to the choir here, but... <clears throat> Back in the, sometime in the 1800s, they found in a trash can in a monastery some manuscripts that were in better condition than some of the manuscripts that they had. And in those manuscripts, this part of the scripture was left out. This was just a small portion of manuscripts. But some of the scholars, so-called scholars, said, well, these are better manuscripts. They've got an older date on them, and therefore they they should have more authority than what we have had the manuscripts we've had in the past. One thing that you have to keep in mind concerning these manuscripts, that until the uh, around the 1500s, when the printing press was invented, that any manuscript had to be hand-copied. There were times, I, I know there were times in the, in the early periods of history and, and all down through the ages that some of God's people didn't have all of the Bible. If they just had a, a, a portion of the scriptures, they'd be thankful that they just had a portion. But these manuscripts were copied over many, many, many times. Now, there are some of you men here, I know Brother Bill is very handy with tools. And if somebody came in to Brother Bill, let's just say that uh, there was some kind of catastrophe that took place and everybody in this area was killed and and uh, somebody came along 150 years later and they found Bill's tool shed and they found a, a, a saw in there that, that uh, was just about wore out. And then maybe they found another saw in there that was just... Looked like it hadn't even been used at all. And they and they, they might wrongly suppose that this newer saw was a was a more representative of the kind of saw that people that, that Brother Bill used than the one that was wore out. But why would they think that? Why would this one saw not be used very much? Because it wasn't the best saw. He would use you're going to use the one that does the best job. And the one that does the best job is going to be wore out. Well, that's what happened with these manuscripts. The ones that were the best, the ones that were were more accurate, are the ones that were more used, and therefore they were more worn out over the years. And the reason that was found in a trash can, basically, is because it just wasn't the best manuscript, so they stuck it back because it wasn't the best. Now that's just from a human standpoint. But I don't have to know that. And you don't have to know that to know why these scriptures are included 
in the Bible. Why would God allow his people to think for almost 2,000 years that what they had was the word of God and then all of a sudden they find out that a lot of the things that that we thought were in the word of God were really not in the word of God. And if that happens, then people begin to think, well, can I even trust anything that what I have is the word of God? You see, that's something the devil, that's something the devil would use. So that, there's, there's this and there are many other scriptures that are in our, especially in our New Testament that people will tell you are not, should not be in the Bible because they're not in the so-called best manuscripts. I hope that you will ignore that. A man that y'all know very well, I heard him preaching one time, you know, the scripture there in First John, which says there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the, and the Spirit, and these three are one. They say, oh, that's not in the best manuscripts. And I remember what I heard Brother Zach preaching one time, and he said that what that's what people would say. He, and this is Brother Zach, a, a very educated man, and a very studied man, and a man that knows uh, uh, Greek and, and even a lot of Hebrew and this great scholar that you and I know one of, the, one of the greatest scholars that I know personally you know what he said about that he said that's hogwash and that's exactly what it is that's a good, that's a good description from a, a highly educated man that is just hogwash and I hope that you never fall prey to that and if you have notes in your Bible in saying that that shouldn't be in the best manuscript I hope you just mark through that and, and go on and don't pay any attention to it well this angel it said at certain times he would go into the pool certain seasons and when he troubled the water that whoever was first to step down into the water would be healed of whatever disease that he had now that may sound like uh, to some people that may sound like well that's just kind of an outlandish uh, thing. How could something like that happen? I just believe it. I believe it. And there was a certain man there that had the infirmity for 38 years. Now <clears throat> I want you to notice it tells us back in the third verse that there was a great multitude of impotent folk that were laying around this pool. They were waiting for the troubling of the water so that if they were the first one that was helped in that, that got into the pool they'd be healed. And Jesus came into this multitude and he stood in the middle of it and he said do y'all want to be healed? Anybody here want to be healed? Is that what he said? He came to one man. He came to one man. There's one thing that's clearly taught in the Word of God. And that is the doctrine of personal election. Jesus, nowhere in the Scriptures does He stand and give a general invitation without restriction. Now Brother Leroy read a, a very precious scripture where Jesus said come unto me but he didn't say everybody come to me. He said come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden 
said, I'll give you this. Who are those that are going to be laboring and heavy laden? It's those elect of God who have been quickened by the Spirit of God and have come to see what great sinners they are and that realize that they have a burden and it's a burden that they can't get rid of. And those are the ones that Jesus speaks to when he says, Come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He came to one man. When he came to this man, he asked him the question, Wilt thou be made whole? And the man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But when I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Now, what I think of when I think of this man, he had come to the place, to the pool, where he knew that healing did take place. But he was looking at the wrong thing for his healing. It was good that he came there. And, and it's good that people, and this is one of the things, the way that I think about this, it's good that people come to church. And it's good that they come to church because the church is a place where they can see that healing takes place. But the church don't heal you. The ordinances that we have in the church, they're very important. But those ordinances don't heal. It's only the only healer is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the great physician. And he came to seek and to save that which is lost. But this man was looking, thinking that if I could just get down to the water, I'll be all right. But the, the, the great physician was standing right before him, was talking to him. He said, will you be made whole? He said, sir, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. And Jesus did something to him that is just, uh, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, uh, an ox, oxymoron, is that right? When you say something that's just impossible, you know, that just don't make any sense. There was a time several instances of this, things like this that happened in the ministry of Jesus. There was a time that he had gone into the synagogue or into the synagogue, I believe it was, and and the Jews were always trying to trick him up. And they had brought a man into the, into the synagogue just for the very, very purpose of trying to accuse Jesus of something, a man that had a withered hand. You've seen people that had withered hands. It's, it's, it's not a, it's a pitiful thing. And they brought this man in there just to see if Jesus would, would heal him. Well, they didn't know what a great favor they were doing to that man. And Jesus told the man that had the withered hand, he said, Stretch forth thy hand. Well, how can a man that's got a withered hand stretch it forth? You know, you can't, that's just, you can't do that. But yet when Jesus told the man to stretch forth his hand, what did he do? He stretched it forth. And it was just as whole as his other hand. And he told this man who was an, been in the case that he was in for 38 years. 
I learned something several years ago that makes me appreciate this and other verses more. I, I drove a truck for many years, and there was a a, a fellow that was a truck driver uh, that I would see him from time to time. We'd be at the same loading dock, and and uh, was a, I always enjoyed talking to him, friendly fellow, and, and I hadn't seen him for a long time, nearly a year. One morning, we were there, and I came into the place where we were going to unload and uh, went into the office, and here he come walking in the office. And I said, hey, I'm, I'm glad to see you. I said, I hadn't seen you in a long time. Where you been? He said, man, I've been sick. He said, I, I, I got diabetes, and I went into a coma. So I was in a coma for a couple of months. And said, then finally when I come out of the coma, he said, I had forgotten how to walk. And he said, I had to learn how to walk again, even after I got well. And I've, I've, I've learned since then that that's a common thing, that if you, if you lay in the, in the, on your back for a period of time, a long period of time, you can forget how to walk. Well, here's a man that for 38 years had been having this infirmity. And Jesus just told him to rise up, take up thy bed and walk. Well, how can he do that? Because Jesus told him to do it. That's the power that he had. And the Bible says that he rose. He uh, he immediately said the man was made whole immediately. And he took up his bed and he walked. I'm reminded of the man that was laid at the gate called Beautiful. That Peter and John. And, the, and, the, and if I remember right, this man had been lame from his womb, mother's womb. And he was just a beggar laying at the gate and he looked up to Peter and John to see if they might give him something. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus I give thee. The name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the Bible says that man, by the same power, he rose up and walked. And what I like about him is not only did he rise up and walk, but the Bible says he began to run and began to leap, praising God because he could walk. Trying out those new, those legs that he'd never been able to use. Well, Jesus told this man, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And he did. And it was on the Sabbath day. And you know, everybody was so happy about this man that had been in this infirmity for 38 years. And they were just so overjoyed that he was able to get up and walk. Isn't that what the Bible says? No. Those Jews, those old wicked Jews, the first thing they said is to him, why, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed on the Sabbath day. And he said, well, the man that made me whole, he told me to do this. You know, that'd be a pretty good reason, wouldn't it? If, if you had been crippled and couldn't walk for 38 years, and a man that had the power had told you to rise up and take up your bed and walk, that would be a good enough reason to do it. And they said, well, who was it? Who told you that? And he didn't know. But all he knew was that he couldn't walk before and now he could. 
like the song that we love to sing, Once I Was Blind, But Now I See. He didn't know what, he didn't know all that had happened to him, but he knew that he had been healed. And he knew that whoever it was is the one that had healed him. Well, verse 13, it says, And he that was healed wished not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. And you know what that man did? When Jesus revealed himself, who he was, he went back to those people. And he said, I can tell you now who it was. This is the man that told me to take up my bed and walk. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no such thing in the word of God as what some people call, I don't believe, a such thing as a secret disciple. If Jesus has done this much for you as he's done for this man, aren't you going to want to tell people who it was and what they've done for you? There's another instance in the Gospels of a, the mad Gadarene that Jesus cast out the legion of demons. You know, on that day, I've often thought there were three requests that were made to Jesus. Two of them he granted just exactly as they asked. First was the, the demons. They said, don't send us out of the country. And Jesus did for them what they asked. He put them, cast them into a herd of swine. And then the men that owned the swine, <clears throat> they asked Jesus to depart from their coast. And he did. He got back to the folks. You know, he had come, they'd come all night across this lake. It come through a storm. And Jesus had come, and, and when they got out of the boat, they met this man, and Jesus cast the demons out of him. And the people then came and asked Jesus to leave, and he got back in his boat and, and, and just left. But the third request that was asked to Jesus that day was the man who had had the demons cast out of him. He said, let me go with you. That's a great privilege we have. If Jesus has done for you what he's done for the man that could walk, if he's done for you what the brother scripture that Brother Leroy talked about, if you were burdened and heavy laden with sin and you come to him and he'd give you rest, then you want to go tell people what Jesus has done for you. He's a great Savior. Thank you all. I appreciate you You're, uh, having me here today and Look forward to Brother Joseph coming down preaching.